Could you please speak to the everlasting covenant mentioned in Psalm 105 and how it relates both to Israel today and in the days mentioned in Revelation? For instance, Revelation 21, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Well, we take the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and Jacob, which is what's referenced in Psalm 105, to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is the promised offspring. And so the, the, the promise of the land and the seed, and you get various versions of that, uh, is, that should not be taken as, say, the Zionistic movement does. That Israel has a right to the physical land of Canaan because God gave them the right. Well, no, those promises, as Paul says, are yes and amen in Christ. And so, again, they're pointing forward. In fact, the land and the seed goes all the way back to Genesis 1. You have the creation of the, of the, 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 the living place, and then you have the people to inhabit it. The first three days are the land. The second three days are the people. The Revelation 22, you have the eternal city, and you have the, the eternal church. So that structure is in there from the Bible. It is all fulfilled in Christ. And so in Psalm 105, when God speaks of remembering his covenant forever and of an everlasting covenant, we see this fulfilled. This is in terms of its intended fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God did not break break his promise when Israel lost control of the physical promised land. In fact, the book of Jeremiah does comment that they nullified those promises by breaking the old covenant. So whereas I have, I think there's a lot of reasons to be very sympathetic to Israel and to the Jews, that biblical reasoning that that God gave them, you know, the, the heritage, the covenant heritage, forgets what happened in John 20, John 19 and 20, where the Messiah was rejected and the consequences. And, and the reason that the Jewish people, for whom I have great affection, the reason they're scattered over the earth is because of the judgment that God leveled on them in AD 70, including the destruction of Jerusalem. So God did not break his promise. They broke the covenant. God's promise is fulfilled, as Paul says, in Christ. Um, it is clear in the New Testament that, that the Christian church is Israel. That, as Paul says at the end of Galatians, he refers to the church as the Israel of God. And so the, the, the holy city of the book of Revelation is the end time city, consisting of the saints of all ages. And in fact, when, when one of the things that dispensationalism does is it argues that God has a completely different project for Israel and then a completely different project for the church. Well, that's odd because when you get to Revelation 20, 21, that, which this question is asking about, uh, you have one holy city and the 12 foundations are the 12 apostles and the 12 gates are the 12 tribes of Israel. Now that's indicating it's just one of any number of ways in which the New Testament indicates that it's, it's one covenant project. There's one people of God, which means that when you and I read our Old Testament, we're not reading somebody else's spiritual experience, redemptive experience. That's our people. That's the church in the Old Covenant. And so, um, so uh, uh, also in, in Romans 11, Paul talks about the Gentile Christians were grafted into the olive tree of Israel. And so again, uh, the covenant people is in Christ. 
And there were lots of Jews. All the apostles were Jews. But Christ is the fulfillment of the covenant promises. The church, Israel, is, is, is Christ and his people. Which leads to Romans 11.26. Regarding Israel, could you help explain Romans 11.25 to 20, 36, especially verse 28? Oh, I hope I do verse 28. Uh, Revelations 11.25 and 26 says, now bear in mind, starting in, in Romans 9, Paul is saying, if God is sovereign, he's been teaching the sovereignty of God, well, what happened to Israel then? Why didn't the promises come true for Israel? And he explains the thing I was just talking about, that the true Israel is never the Israel of the flesh. It's the Israel of faith. Uh, and then he starts talking about these relationships. And he says at the end of the chapter, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. Particularly that statement, all Israel will be saved. Now, among the Reformed today, there's two ways to take that. And one way uh, is to say, I think, uh, uh, well, this is Calvin's view, for instance. It says, well, all Israel will be saved is another way of saying all the church will be saved. And, you know, all the Jews who are going to be saved are going to be saved as Christians. I, that is theologically true. I'm persuaded that the other view is what's actually being said, that we should expect a widespread ingathering of Jewish believers before the return of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is essentially where Paul is in his argument. What, what Calvin says about verse 26, Paul's already said. But when he gets towards the end of the chapter, I'm persuaded that uh, uh, he's referring to... Uh, a future end, time, end times gathering of Jewish people. Now, verse 28 then should be taken as the rationale for that. He says, the Jews are enemies of the gospel, but they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. What does Paul mean in AD 62 when he writes Romans, it's AD 61, that the Jews are enemies of the gospel? They're persecuting the gospel. They are opposed to the gospel. Uh, but notice when he says they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, Surely, at a minimum, that indicates that God hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten their connection to Abraham. That's the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, that, that connection is still... It doesn't mean that by being Jewish you're saved. The only way to be saved is believe in Jesus Christ. But I don't know how else to take what Paul says at the very end of that argument, that they, are, they remain beloved for the sake of their forefathers, even though they're enemies of the gospel I do believe that Romans 11 argues for and this we, uh, Christian witness to Israel. This is their big verse. This, it is that belief, and that, I would say it was Spurgeon and his friends, I think, who started this ministry that we still support, are laboring to that end for the evangelism of the Jewish people.